0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we aren't ducking our heads, crawling in a hole, or wishing we were invisible. Instead, we're searching to understand tension both professionally and personally. Even the word tension elicits a tense physical response. No one in their right mind enjoys conflict and bad feelings, but issues left unaddressed become just that. You might feel challenged, unheard, overlooked, or even belittled. But will defending every imagined injustice create harmony at work or at home? My guess is no. Ever heard the phrase, pick your battles? While the context is about picking battles that you can actually win, it can also refer to being selective and keeping the peace. I for one, hate to be in a bad mood, avoiding eye contact, tiptoeing around, and giving the silent treatment. It's an exhausting game that I'm just no good at. On the flip side of that coin, I hate conflict. If there's a chance what I have to say might hurt your feelings or cause you any stress, I'm avoiding it like the plague. As a result, I tend to conform, get over it, let go, and move on. Is that the answer? Mm, Not at all, but it's something I'm working on. What do you do when you're faced with a tense moment that's causing you stress? What is your go-to reaction, and is it something that is working or something you're working on? Let's dig in to understand the different nuances of tension to find some helpful strategies we can incorporate at home and in our workplace. Over at happiesthealth.com, I found the difference tension versus stress. Know the different kinds of stressors. Stress and tension are two forms often used interchangeably, but they encompass distinct experiences with unique underlying causes. In the fast-paced and demanding world we live in, stress and tension have become all too familiar companions. We often find ourselves overwhelmed by the pressures of the day, grappling with the weight of responsibilities, expectations, and unforeseen challenges. But have you ever wondered about the subtle nuances that set stress apart from tension? While many of us use the words tension and stress synonymously, There is an actual difference between the two. Stress is used in psychological literature to describe the feeling of knowing that you're not where you are supposed to be yet, not knowing what to do about it, whereas experts describe tension as the understanding of how you're feeling with a clear view of the current reality. It happens when you know the ideal state and have an action plan to close the gap between the current and the ideal state. Dr. Sharma clarifies the difference between the two. Stress can make you tense, but tension can't lead to stress. A person who is generally tense and anxious always probably has a higher chance of succumbing to a stressful event. Tension can be short-term. For example, when we're reading or watching a suspense thriller or horror movie, the moment it's over, we're okay. Even though most of us understand stress as a negative feeling, there are broadly two types of stress, eustress and distress. Eustress is the stress required to enable our productivity. It's the good stress that pushes us to perform better. Explaining stress with the help of the bell curve, Dr. Jayram, a psychiatrist says, in between the bell-shaped curve is the balanced perspective. If there's no stress at all, then we don't perform. If it crosses the balance curve and goes down, it means you're overproductive and overstressed and counterproductive. Hence, he suggests one being in an optimum and functional level of stress for proper functioning and day-to-day activities. Describing the feeling of being stressed, Sharma says, stress is also getting upset with a flood of emotions flowing, which are painful and don't allow you to calm down. There would be physical, emotional, behavioral, and mental changes accompanying the stress that you experience. There are two types of bad stress, chronic and acute. Acute stress can come unexpectedly, for example, when you hear about the demise of a loved one in an accident. Chronic stress, however, is a result of ongoing problems that don't seem to be abating, It could be an illness in the family, financial difficulties, an unpleasant work environment, people you've borrowed money from coming and knocking on your door, people making threats. How we understand and cope with our stressors is dependent on factors such as our childhood, our ability to handle situations, and our conditioning. We're all programmed in a particular way which is shaped by our genetic makeup, our environment, social economic religious conditioning and our belief system in most cases when one is not able to cope with difficult situations it's due to the way the mind perceives it the types of stressors and your ability to tackle them can largely affect your mood sense of well-being, and overall health. Chronic stress can have long-term effects on your health. Some of them include high blood pressure, heart conditions, diabetes, obesity, depression, anxiety, skin problems, and menstrual problems, among others. When it goes beyond control, some people even land up in the emergency room, breathlessness, and palpitations. In case it gets chronic, It's very important to reach out to a mental health professional, adds Dr. J-Rum. There are some holistic ways of tackling stress, according to Dr. J-Rum. Awareness. Recognize it's happening. Depending on your personality, some may push it aside saying, I'm like this, it's just the way I am. Acknowledge. Go deeper, find the root cause, and know what situations get you stressed. Is it positive stress or is it hampering your functionality? When you get psychological sensations in the body, know that this is an intense stress and should not be sidelined. Simple solutions. You can try taking deep breaths, distract yourself, start looking at numbers or colors, and start counting. If you practice this regularly, you can handle even acute tensions. Dr. Sharma adds to the list. Be self-aware and practice mindfulness. Practice relaxing. You can focus on your breath. Make a note of your strengths. Choose to be productive and not reactive. Choose to spring clean your mind by keeping it in good condition. Get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Exercise regularly for at least 20 to 30 minutes and eat healthy. By doing this, you will be allowing new brain cells to form to deal with stress. It's important to train school-aged children with life skills they can use to make healthy, thoughtful choices in the long run. Let's not let the term self-awareness become as buzzworthy as finding gratitude. Both are incredibly important for personal development. One of the most eye-opening revelations in my life was that your words and the way you deliver them have the power to lift someone up or tear them down. So often, we deliver comments directly or in passing, never knowing how they landed, where they took root, and what they produced. We simply inject our opinions, ideas, and advice, and then move on with our lives. That energy can motivate someone in measurable ways, or it can stunt and deflate them beyond repair. Dramatic well, maybe a little, but the point is, when was the last time you thought about the power of your words? If you're thinking about it now, that's being self-aware. What happens when the tension is so great that you're overcome by the stress of the situation? Jill E. DeAnno shares more on emotional stress, signs, symptoms, and coping, found at Talkspace.com. Believe it or not, our bodies are designed to react to stressors. This explains why stress has both physical and mental symptoms. Although the different types of stress are usually temporary, they can have a significant impact on your day-to-day life. So what is emotional stress? According to the American Psychological Association, it's a type of stress that causes an intense and negative stress response when someone experiences emotions like worry, fear, frustration, danger, or sadness. If left untreated with stress therapy, emotional stress can be unhealthy, making it difficult for you to relax, maintain healthy relationships, and carry out everyday tasks. As noted, there are both mental and physical symptoms of emotional stress. Emotional stress examples can include some of these. Feeling overwhelmed. When you're constantly experiencing symptoms of stress life can feel overwhelming emotional stress can leave you feeling jumpy or on edge it may cause you to overreact when things don't go as planned it can make it difficult for you to organize your thoughts or find solutions to problems difficulty concentrating stress can be distracting and is known to interfere with concentration When you're stressed you might find your mind wandering to your worries every time you try to focus on a task it can be difficult to pay attention to what people are saying and what's happening around you anxiety and depression research shows that depression and anxiety are both common in people who experience a high level of stress emotional stress can cause you to have an intense disruptive and continuous feeling of dread fear and sadness these feelings can compound your stress making symptoms worse mood swings stress is uncomfortable research suggests that stress has a direct impact on mood it can cause your mood to change in an instant in one moment you might be enjoying yourself and the next you could experience extreme feelings of sadness dread or other emotions headaches Some research has found that people who have long-term stress are more likely to suffer from chronic headaches. In many cases, a stressor directly precedes and triggers a headache. That same research also suggests that emotional stress can increase the risk of both migraine and tension headaches. Weight loss or weight gain. Stress can have a direct impact on eating habits. Some people turn to high-calorie, high-fat foods when stressed while others may not eat at all. Over time, emotional stress can cause you to lose or gain a noticeable amount of weight, often in a short period of time. An abundance of research has linked stress to weight gain. Some stressors, like a traffic jam or a neighbor playing loud music, are only temporary. Emotional stress, however, is usually caused by an ongoing situation, like... Toxic or unhealthy and abusive relationships, work, financial issues, unresolved emotional pain or trauma, parenting, loss and grief, mental health conditions, a medical diagnosis of a health problem. People who experience emotional stress may feel as though they're trapped in their stressful situation, which can lead to unhealthy coping mechanisms. Managing stress can be tough, especially if you can't eliminate the source of it. But don't worry, there are ways to cope and improve your well-being. One effective approach is to identify sources of emotional stress in your life and develop healthier coping mechanisms and stress management techniques. By changing your responses to stressful situations, you can reduce the impact of stress on your life and achieve a more positive outlook. Often, stressful times will improve or pass altogether. You might get out of a relationship, quit a job, make amends with a friend, or otherwise find peace in your life. When it doesn't resolve, though, it's important to develop healthy coping skills so you can navigate stress before it takes a firm hold on your emotional well being. So, these six tips are expert approved ways to effectively cope with emotional stress work with a therapist if emotional stress is causing you significant distress or making it difficult for you to handle everyday tasks it may be time to seek professional help a therapist can work with you to reduce symptoms of emotional stress and find healthy coping mechanisms therapy can also help you to identify the source of your stress and understand how it's impacting your life having a variety of tools in your toolbox is key to managing emotional stress so that you can use different strategies as needed. Simple breathing exercises, talking to a trusted friend, taking a walk, journaling, watching a favorite TV show or listening to music are all easily accessible options to incorporate into stress management. It's also important to remember that talking to a licensed mental health professional can be incredibly helpful You don't have to struggle on your own when things get overwhelming. Find distractions. When you're feeling stressed out, it can be easy to begin to fixate on your worries. Unfortunately, this can have a snowball effect, making your worry and anxiety more intense. Instead of ruminating on stress, try to find a distraction. As already mentioned, exercising, watching TV, or spending time with friends are all great ways to help you take your focus off your stress, ultimately relieving you of those symptoms. Set aside time for relaxation. Relaxation is essential for a healthy mind, body, and spirit. You should try to make time to relax each day. During this time of self-care, you could take a nap, get some much-needed alone time, write about your feelings in a journal, or even take a bubble bath. Even setting aside just 5 or 10 minutes for relaxation each day can have a big impact on your emotional well-being. Practice Stress Reduction Try to introduce stress reduction techniques into your life like mindfulness meditation or yoga. These relaxation techniques can balance out some of the toxic stress you're feeling. Can't seem to find the time to put it into practice? hmm it might be time for a mental health day even if you can't completely eliminate stress in your life you can change how you react to it taking purposeful steps to reduce how you let your emotional distress and stress impact you is a good first step improve your sleep habits when you don't get enough sleep it can be harder for your body to successfully manage stress Work to improve your sleep habits so that you can get the rest you need each night. Create an evening routine and try to go to bed at the same time every night. And for goodness sakes, put the technology in another room. Identify unhealthy coping mechanisms. Many coping mechanisms that people use to reduce stress symptoms can be damaging If you're relying on caffeine, alcohol, or unhealthy foods to get through your day, these substances may be making your stress worse. Once you identify these unhealthy coping mechanisms, you can work to replace your old habits with newer, healthier ones. Emotional stress is the response we have to ongoing chronic stress. It can affect your mental and physical well-being and cause intense psychological and physical symptoms that interfere in your personal and professional relationships, your ability to work, and your capability to live up to your responsibilities. Don't get it twisted. There is nothing wrong with experiencing stress or having an emotional response to that stressor. However, it's important to find ways to work through your emotions and manage stress in your everyday life. When talking about tension, I'm reminded about the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Number two, to be exact, don't take anything personally. Sometimes it can feel like the world is out to get us, but it's important to remember that many of the things we experience are not directed specifically at us. For instance, if someone starts yelling at you, it may not be about you at all. They could be venting their frustrations and we just happen to be in the line of fire. It can be helpful to try not to take things too personally and remember that sometimes things just happen. Nothing others do is because of you. Let me repeat that. Nothing others do is because of you. Remembering that what others say and do often reflects their own experiences and perspectives can help us not take things too personally. Detaching ourselves from their opinions and reactions can lead to less suffering. Developing emotional resistance and inner strength takes practice, but it's so worth it. Just as it isn't comfortable being sucked into a pity party, you may also want to avoid the mental and verbal assault mosh pit. Instead, try and reframe the situation or de-escalate. Over at NSW Health, I found info on how I de-escalate a situation when someone is angry or agitated. When there are signs of anger or verbal aggression, it's important to remember that you need to stay calm. Anger may be a sign that the person is in distress, experiencing fear or frustrated. It's not possible to reason or problem solve with someone who is enraged. Effective communication skills are the key to settling resolving and de-escalating a situation. Here are some strategies to de-escalate a situation. Listen to what the issue is and the person's concerns. Offer reflective comments to show that you've heard what they've had to say. Wait until the person has released their frustration and explained how they're feeling. Look and maintain appropriate eye contact to connect with the person. Incline your head slightly to show you're listening, which also gives you a non-threatening posture. Nod to confirm that you're listening and have understood. Express empathy to show that you have an understanding. Your role is not to prevent the person from becoming angry, but you can take certain steps to help them feel more relaxed. Only after that can you address their concerns and figure out how to handle the situation. Don't be afraid to walk away when a situation is uncomfortable and it's not your fight. That's different than avoiding your own confrontations. I can pinpoint when I started avoiding conflicts. My mother is a lovely lady and a super kind and compassionate person, but she doesn't take any crap. There was a time when I was a kid that she might just tell a worker if the service she received was less than she expected. Remember the flight or fight response? There is another one in between that doesn't always get mentioned, and that's freeze. Powerless to correct the situation or calm my mother, I felt helpless. I'm not talking about throwing hangers or slugging it out in the grocery line, but a little constructive criticism was not beyond her. As an adult, I don't react quite the same way, but I haven't necessarily softened to conflict. What has helped is to understand that everyone is dealing with their own stuff, and what might fly off on you was actually intended for someone else, or a much-needed timeout. Smell a flower, blow out a candle. Sean Ferguson shows us why you need to stop avoiding conflict and what to do instead, and this is found at psychcentral.com. Do you have a conflict-avoidant personality like me? It's possible to overcome this people-pleasing behavior. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Conflict can make most people feel uneasy, whether a full-blown argument or just a civil confrontation. Some people avoid conflict at all costs, even when the conflict is necessary. These people can be described as conflict-avoidant. To avoid rocking the boat, conflict avoidant people might bottle up their feelings and sidestep discussing important issues with others. Conflict avoidance can damage your relationships and harm your mental health. This people pleasing behavior can also make it difficult to set and maintain boundaries. It's possible to overcome conflict avoidance and learn how to handle confrontations in a healthy and constructive way. A conflict-avoidant personality is a type of people-pleasing behavior where someone avoids conflict or disagreements at all costs and fears making others upset or angry. Hello, that's me. Individuals who are conflict-avoidant tend to expect there will be a negative reaction and avoid even interactions that are healthy conflicts. How do you know if you're a conflict-avoidant? Let's check it out. Well, you might deny there's an issue at all, fear or avoid expressing yourself, bottle up feelings and later explode or become passive aggressive, making jokes during confrontation, changing the subject when conflict comes up, striving to be seen as nice as the nice one, avoid disagreeing with others even when you're inwardly disagreeing. Avoiding conflict altogether isn't healthy. It means you're bottling up your emotions and when we bottle up our feelings, it can negatively manifest in the body. Repressing your emotions can negatively affect your physical and mental health too, according to some research in 2019. Conflict avoidance can also harm your relationships. It can lead to a breakdown of communication and impact healthy connections. When we avoid expressing our feelings, we're ultimately creating emotional distance with our romantic partners. Similarly, conflict avoidance isn't good for our working relationships. A study on workplace incivility found that avoiding conflict doesn't stop friction from reoccurring in the workplace. Plus, avoidance also led to increased emotional exhaustion. And lastly, When you avoid conflicts at all costs, it can also make it harder to create and maintain boundaries. When someone violates your boundaries, it might be necessary to reinforce those boundaries by confronting the person. So here are five tips for overcoming conflict avoidance. Consider the value of conflict. Reframing how you're viewing conflict. Instead of seeing conflict as something that's inevitably hurtful, Consider how it can be productive. For example, conflict can be an opportunity to share your feelings and become closer to your partner. Vulnerability can improve emotional intimacy as it can help your partner understand you better. And it can help you feel more accepted and loved by your mate. Conflict can help you identify and resolve problems with coworkers in the workplace too. Speaking up can ultimately lead to creating a fairer system that benefits everyone. Build up to it slowly. Practice saying no in smaller situations with a low risk, or start with conflict that causes the least amount of anxiety. Voicing your objections could include pointing out if the barista got your coffee order wrong, or reminding your coworker that they forgot to get back to you on an important issue. Handling these small situations politely but firmly can help you build confidence. These situations are excellent opportunities to practice communication skills. Face your anxiety. Your anxiety might be fueling what-if thoughts. You know those what-if thoughts. You might be thinking, what if I reinforce a boundary with my boss and they fire me? Or what if I confront my spouse about forgetting our anniversary and it becomes a big, full-blown fight? These thoughts might make it difficult for you to face conflict. Instead, you can acknowledge the anxiety and think it through realistically. Check in on the story you're telling yourself about someone's reaction and poke holes in that story. Let's say you want to remind your boss that you don't answer work calls after five. If you worry that your boss will fire you for reinforcing this healthy boundary, you might remind yourself that your boss is a reasonable person that values work-life balance. Of course, in some cases, the outcome you dread might happen. Create a plan or language on how you'll address it then. For example, you might practice reminding your boss about your boundaries and that they agreed to your boundaries in the first place. You also might double check your company's policy on after-hour phone calls, as you can use this policy as a backup. Try anxiety management techniques during conflict. Conflict can be anxiety-inducing for many people, including me. This anxiety might cause you to avoid or sidestep important conversations. During confrontations, you can try to practice anxiety management techniques. Strategies can include engaging in deep breathing techniques before the confrontation. During a conflict, you can remind yourself to breathe deeply. It's also a good idea to pause before reacting. It's okay to express that you need a moment or more to process your feelings before responding. And consider therapy. Therapy can help address any workshop conflict. Many people dislike conflict, but in some cases, conflict avoidance can harm your relationships and your health. However, it is possible to overcome this and learn how to handle confrontation in a more productive and healthy way. You know, it's important that you set clear boundaries to protect your personal and professional life. This might involve setting limits on your work hours, defining personal space, or communicating your needs to others. Tension is infectious when you bring your work issues home. So no need to disrupt your safe sanctuary with unsolvable issues that should have stayed at the office. Clock out mentally, and use the serene space to nurture yourself and uncover productive strategies to make tomorrow a better day. Take time to reflect on your feelings and reactions. Try to understand why you feel tense and how it's affecting you. Don't hesitate to seek support from your friends, families, mentors, or professional counselors. They can offer guidance and a different perspective on your situation. Focus on problem-solving. Break down complex issues into smaller, manageable tasks and work towards resolving them one step at a time. Learn to say no as a complete sentence. Don't be afraid to decline additional responsibilities or commitments when you're already feeling overwhelmed. Learning to say no is a valuable skill for managing tension. So, after everything that we've talked about, can you identify your conflict style? On the Brainy Dose YouTube channel, I found info on the five conflict styles. So let's see which is yours.
1: Brainy Dose presents the five conflict styles, which is yours? Conflict, no matter how you slice it, we're all at the center of it at some point. It could be with family members, friends, people you work with, and even complete strangers. But have you ever wondered why certain conflicts flare into a full-on battle while others simply fizzle out? Well, the truth is everyone has their own unique personality. We all handle stressful situations differently. When it comes to conflict, we tend to default to certain behaviors that reflect our personal style of dealing with it. If you want to handle conflicts more effectively and find mutually beneficial solutions, it's important to understand your own conflict style and recognize the styles of others. So let's dive in and find out where you stand! Number 1 – Avoiding Some folks have a strong aversion to conflict and would rather avoid it altogether. They might downplay an issue or pretend it doesn't exist instead of confronting it head-on. Now, there are some positives to avoiding conflict. It can keep arguments from happening and help maintain a peaceful relationship. It also gives people time to think about their feelings and come up with a thoughtful response. But, there are some downsides too. Avoiding conflict can mean issues don't get resolved and communication suffers, and that can damage relationships. It may also create tension and make people feel uneasy around each other. And, let's not forget that avoiding conflict means missing out on the chance to learn and grow from difficult situations. Number 2 – Accommodating People with the accommodating style tend to be cooperative and willing to compromise to prevent conflicts. On the bright side, accommodating can help maintain relationships by prioritizing the needs and wants of others. It creates a generous and kind atmosphere that contributes to a positive social environment. Plus, being accommodating can help develop a sense of community and teamwork, which is great for group settings. The downside is that accommodating can lead to a lack of assertiveness, often resulting in sacrificing one's own needs and desires. It can also cause frustration and resentment if a person feels that their priorities are constantly ignored. Number 3 – Competing Those who display the style have a tendency to prioritize their own needs and goals over that of others. The positive aspect of competing is that it allows people to assert their needs and desires, which is important in certain situations. It can even make one seem more confident. Competing can also encourage personal growth and challenge individuals to push themselves to their limits. On the negative side, when people become overly competitive and focused on winning at all costs, it can create a sense of aggression and hostility. Number 4 – Compromising When it comes to conflict, some people are all about finding a middle ground. They're flexible and open to compromise. The good thing about compromising is that it creates a sense of fairness and balance and encourages cooperation and communication in order to find a mutually acceptable outcome. But sometimes compromising can be a bit of a bummer. People might feel like they're giving up too much, and that can leave them feeling dissatisfied. Plus, when there's too much focus on finding a middle ground, one might forget to stand up for their own needs. Number 5 – Collaborating Collaborators prioritize finding a solution that works for everyone, instead of just focusing on their own needs and wants. Of course, this is often a good thing because it leads to mutual respect and understanding. As people work together to find a solution that benefits everyone involved, it can also foster creativity and innovation since it encourages thinking outside the box and considering multiple perspectives. But let's not forget the challenges that come with collaboration. For example, if there's a lack of trust or communication, it can be tough to find that win-win solution. And sometimes, it can be rather time-consuming to come up with the perfect plan. Hopefully, you now have a better understanding of yourself and others when it comes to resolving conflicts. It's important to know what your own style of approach is so that you can make sure your arguments are effective and productive for everyone involved. And even though sometimes your approach might clash with someone else's, that doesn't mean you should throw in the towel. Both sides can work together to find solutions that make everyone feel understood and satisfied.
0: want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, trace your tension to the root to understand why it's negatively affecting you and how to overcome these feelings. Resist the invitation to join the conflict, instead opting for a peaceful resolution. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. I through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.